Today, well, we've been talking about different, how the, the lordship of Jesus Christ and our acceptance of that and our belief in that makes us different. And today I'm going to be talking about leadership. And I will freely admit that the world has a pretty crazy idea of what leadership is. Leadership is the take charge guy, the guy that rolls over every obstacle in his way. He doesn't run around walls, he runs through walls and he tells you what to do, how to do it, when to do it, and he wants it done now. He says, jump, you ask how high. It's not what I'll be talking about this morning, but it reminds me of the old story about the lion. Lion was walking through the jungle, feeling kind of feisty, walks up to a monkey and grabs him by the throat and says, all right, monkey, who's the king of the jungle? And the monkey says, oh, you're the king of the jungle, mighty lion. And he throws the monkey away and he says, and don't you forget it. And he walks down the path a little further. There's a zebra, gets right in the zebra's face and shows his fangs and his claws and everything. All right, zebra, who's the king of the jungle? And the zebra says, oh, mighty lion, you're the king of the jungle. Eh, right, you're darn tootin'. And he walks down the path. There's a big old elephant sitting in the bush, and he slaps him on the trunk, and he says, all right, big boy, who's the king of the jungle? And the elephant picks him up by his trunk and slams him onto the ground, stomps on him a couple of times like this, kicks some dust in his face, and walks away. And the lion says, jeez, you don't have to get so mad just because you don't know the answer. <laughs> so, that ain't the kind of leadership we're talking about this morning. I preached on church leadership a little while ago. My example was Nehemiah. And if you remember, and I hope, so hope that you remember, I challenge all of us to be leaders. All of us. And the characteristics that I talked about that Sunday were a leader listens, a leader acts, a leader is involved, a leader encourages, remember this, and a leader stands with you. We can all do that right now. And we certainly can do that right now throughout Crosspoint Church. And I meant it when I said that God wants all of us to be leaders. We all have influence. We all have a circle of friends and acquaintances that we can influence. We all have the Holy Spirit. We all have the command and the commission of God to reach the world. But today, I want to talk about leadership again, but before I do... I just want to take a few moments to talk about following, followership. Just listen to Hebrews 13, verse 7. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. This calls on all of us to follow. And it also assumes quite a bit about our leaders. They should speak the word of God. Their speech should be godly. Their way of life should be above reproach, worthy of imitation. The leaders should all have strong faith. And if those are in place, those leaders should be followed. Same goes here. Now I ask you a couple of questions. Do you follow our elders? Would you? Could you? Do you know who they are? Do you know enough about them to imitate them? Would you go to them them for advice, and would you follow that advice? Because all of us, at one time or another, are just sheep in a flock. We follow the great shepherd, Jesus, 
but we also need to follow his under-shepherds that he's placed above us. It's been said that a leader without followers is just taking a walk. Leaders are usually not identified by how famous they are or how popular they are. They are leaders only if people admire them and respect them enough to follow their example and their direction. Okay? That's followership. Now I want to talk about leadership. Because I want to take things a step further this morning and higher. I want to talk about leadership in the church. And not just any church. I'm speaking about this church. Our church. Because church leadership is probably and obviously not something for all of us. Not everybody is called and not everybody is equipped. But leadership of the church is something we should all be thinking about because we are all going to be influenced by the leaders that we have. Might be us. Might be definitely someone who, but it has to be definitely someone who willingly and clearly meets biblical requirements. And because of this very specific, important topic, I've coordinated this entire sermon with our elder board. And I, so what I'm going to present is not just my view, although it certainly is that, and it's not just what I've gleaned from Scripture, and it's that as well. It's me speaking to you right now, but it's the entire leadership team of Crosspoint also communicating with you this morning. And they're speaking to me, too. This is a message for all of us, for all of us, to all of us. So the first thing I want to say is that our church, like every church, needs leadership. And although everybody has a leadership role here today, I'm addressing our particular need for male church leadership. We need more men to be deacons and elders. Church is growing. There's a tremendous amount of responsibility. There's all kinds of new people coming, all from different situations in life. If you're not actually going to join the elder board, men, would you at least begin the process of developing the spiritual life and lifestyle requirements. It's something we should all have as our goal. Every man here should be seeking to develop the traits of a deacon and elder. Isn't that what it means in Hebrews to imitate them? Isn't that what it means? Now, there are other passages, a lot of them about biblical requirements. Scripture's clear. Two passages immediately come to mind, and they are both in your sermon notes. One is 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. Passage mentions needed characteristics. Here they are, just a few of them. Good reputation, faithful in marriage, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a heavy drinker, gentle, calm, which means not given to argument, not greedy, needs to be a good husband and father with obedient children and a good family, have a good reputation even outside the church. And Christian maturity is a definite requirement. Then there's Titus chapter 1, 5 through 9. In these verses, many of the requirements are the same, but the wording is a little different. And lots of times it emphasizes what's not supposed to be done. Not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Loves what is good and upright. Have sound doctrine to teach and defend the faith. 
It's also listed for him to be holy and disciplined. Now, they're both in your sermon notes, quite a list. Now, I want to tell you something, and I'm being honest with you. In all my years, I have never met a single elder that met all these requirements. Ever. I think that every elder board should have each one of these qualities represented within it. But to say you have to be perfect to be an elder is a ridiculous requirement. Now, some of these traits might be overwhelming when there's times of turmoil, things like that. But make notes on these passages. Highlight the characteristics that are listed. Listen to what God is telling you and forget about trying to be perfect. You're not. And you're not going to be. And for today, I'm using the next scripture in our sermon series on 1 Peter. I'll be, I'll be preaching on 1 Peter 5, 1 through 7. Listen to this verse, this, this passage, and see if someone here at Cross Point comes to mind as I read it. Perhaps it will be you. Perhaps someone else. Even while I'm reading it, write down the person's name in your sermon notes. Here's the passage. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering, who also will share in its glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourself to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. In all three of these passages, but especially this one, the qualities are pretty obvious. Being an elder is not rocket science. But I don't want to just list these qualities this morning. You can all see them. I want to relate them to the everyday life of Cross Point Church. The first characteristic that stands out to me is service, and especially the willingness to serve. So first... Not going to sound correct, but it is. An elder is a slave. That's the status in biblical times of one who serves. We are all servants here. An elder more so. Jesus said in Mark chapter 9, verse 35, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. A lot of people think the elders are the boss. They're not. They're slaves. Slaves to you and slaves to Christ. The lower they go, the higher they get. Listen to verses 2 and 3 again. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. So, protect protection. From what? Well, the hard knocks of life. From the terrible temptations of the world. From our own weaknesses. 
from doctrinal error, from Satan and his band of demonic wolves who seek to devour you, from anything that would get in between you and God. The elder first does this by avoiding a whole bunch of wrong things so he can be an example to you. Bad example, poor doctrinal teaching, bad temper, arguing, wild living, greedy, self-centeredness, being overbearing, disobedient to God, unfaithful in marriage, a poor father. Look at it this way. Christianity governs conduct. If it doesn't, if there's no connection between what you believe and how you live, then your Christian life can be called into question. And it may not even exist at all. What you do matters. What you do defines you. If Christianity cannot govern conduct, then it's worse than worthless. It's completely meaningless. If you abuse your wife and children, what are you? A Christian abuser of your family? If you steal, are you a Christian thief? If you lose your temper all the time, are you a Christian hothead? The answer is, you are what you do. Your beliefs whisper. Your actions scream. It's been said many times, and in every sermon so far in this series, that God doesn't want you to improve. He wants to make you new, to be transformed. An elder or a good potential elder, is someone who is well along that road of transformation. Is that you? If not, shouldn't that be who you want to be? That desire in your heart is a good thing, a righteous ambition to do a noble task. Now, please be realistic. Don't disqualify yourself. Never do that. You'll never be perfect. You'll never meet all these requirements. But also, as I said, don't let your lifestyle disqualify you either. If you desire to help others find the path, remember you can't take anybody further down that path than you yourself have gone. The further along the Christian path you've walked with the Lord, the more you can be of help to others. Now, service, okay, then protection. Then, humility. The third characteristic is humility. All three passages emphasize this. Our passage today puts it like this. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. This might not be much of a problem for a lot of us. Maybe you're like me, humble with many reasons to feel that way. (laughs) That's not a biblical perspective of humility. We often think about a debased, lowly feeling about ourselves, like we could leave the room without opening the door. We could just crawl right under it. But try to imagine it. Try to imagine you from God's perspective. When he looks at you, 
he sees Christ in you, his beloved, only begotten son. That's not lowly. In fact, in Christ, we couldn't be lifted higher. So what is humility, really? I heard a pastor in Texas with the, of, of him, and he had the best definition of humility I've ever heard, and here it is. And you can write this one down. Humility is an absolute correct opinion of yourself. Not a bit less, not a bit more. You know your weaknesses, you know your strengths, you know your spiritual gifts, and you know your position in Christ, and you act accordingly. Again, humility is an absolute correct opinion of yourself. Not a bit less, not a bit more. That is something all Christians should strive for. And for all of us, it's a privilege. For elders, it's a privilege. But for elders, it's also a requirement. It's not easy. Many of us uh, wonder about ourselves. It's pretty normal to think of yourselves as weak uh, under some circumstances, and especially when you're under some trying circumstances. All of us tend to think more about our weaknesses than our strengths about our failures more than our successes. That's why Peter writes this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. An elder especially should not worry. Church leadership is a lot like fatherhood. It's often, so often, a delayed gratification business. It might be a good long while before you receive any recognition or gratitude at all from some of your kids. You may find yourself telling your teenager to leave the house now while he still knows everything. In much the same way, many elders are concerned about a seeming lack of church results. They think if they don't see progress, if there isn't an improvement in the spiritual health of the members, well, they must not be good elders. Well, let me share something with you. They may not be good elders. They probably are, but God doesn't call us to be good elders. He calls us to be faithful elders, humble elders, believing that your ultimate reward is still to come. I'm reminded of a story of a missionary couple who retired after decades of hard service in Africa. This man and his wife got off the ocean liner in New York, but then they had to wait for a while because there was a distinguished visitor on the boat. It was Teddy Roosevelt, the former president. He had just returned from an African safari. His greeting was tumultuous. Bands played, people cheered. He was given the key to the city It was an awesome, majestic welcome. And it wasn't lost on this poor missionary. He sighed to his wife. What a welcome Roosevelt was given, he said. And look at us. No one here to even say hello. But his wife was radiant, and she whispered in his ear, Don't you worry, darling. We're not home yet. Which brings me to the prime requirement for an elder. This is the one that makes it possible for each man to have the strength to lead a life worthy of being an elder. 
the ability to lead a qualifying life, the ability to perform in this vital ministry, and the courage to go on. Each of these other biblical requirements have as their basis this most important ingredient, faith. And I want to end with this because there's really almost nothing more important. The only thing I can imagine more important than your faith is the object of your faith. Strong faith in thin ice will put you under. Strong faith in a weak pier will get you wet. Faith in anything or anyone else other than Jesus Christ will always fall short. Your faith should be strong, but don't waste it on anything unworthy. For sure have faith in your spouse, but have more faith in Christ. For sure have faith in your relatives and appreciate them, but more so in Christ. Of course have faith in our church and our leaders, but more so in Christ. But what is faith? Well, in life we have two choices. Here they are. You can have faith or you can have fear. Both are totally different. Both lead to vastly different outcomes. But both are the same in one regard. Both deal with the future. Faith is positive, looking for good things. Fear is negative, expecting bad things. It's that simple. It's that profound. You're either afraid bad things might happen, or you're looking forward to tomorrow and the next day after that because you think good things are going to happen. It's a basic, here's a basic law of spiritual life. Faith and fear cannot coexist. Want to write something else down? That's a good one. Faith and fear cannot coexist. You are either faithful or fearful. You can't be both. Look, listen to Romans 8, chapter 30, verse 31. If God is for us, who can stand against us? It's essential. Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. I'm talking to you all of this because our church needs a new generation of leaders. We need to prepare the next generation of elders. And we need more deacons as well. The, the requirements for that are a little less daunting but still strong. Deacons take care of the physical and logistical situation at the church because when they do that then the elders can concentrate on the spiritual things first timothy 8 through third first timothy 8 through 13 lists the qualifications for deacons they're similar but there's an emphasis on testing men beforehand the implication is that these guys are younger in the faith but they're showing promise a good example is the book of acts when there was a dispute about distribution of food and the disciples named seven elders to handle distribution so they could concentrate on, on the spiritual matter. Well, folks, there it is. And if I can emphasize it a little more, target it a little more, I would say this. Well, guys, here it is. Cross Point Church needs more elders and deacons. Now might not be the right time for you, but Crosspoint needs every man to be thinking about developing the type of lifestyle required, whether they ever serve as an elder or not. Wives and family and friends, all members here, have the responsibility to help every man achieve this higher level of life. 
not by nagging or complaining or judging, but encouraging him, loving him, respecting him, praying for him. So as we close and before we pray, I hope you've taken a moment to write down the name or names of man or men who came to your mind. And if you haven't, would you pray while I'm preaching still and do it now? Oh, but before you turn it in, would you please tell him (laughs) that you want to recommend him? Because if he's a normal kind of guy, he'll say he's not qualified. And he might change his mind, though, if a bunch of his Christian friends here, whose opinion he respects, tell him exactly the same thing. Then, if he approves, submit his name to the church office, and the same with potential deacons. Let each man know how you think about him. And then if he agrees to let you do it, let the church office know how you feel about him. We need you to do this. We need more male leadership at Crosspoint. We will all benefit when it happens. The entire church will be pleased. The elders will look at each man, interview him, check his qualifications, make sure this is the right decision to make. We will all benefit with a stronger, more mature, spiritually capable elder board. The entire church will be pleased, I guarantee. And most important, Jesus Christ will be the most pleased of all. Think about it. Now let's pray about it. Lord, you know the future. Before the future arrives and before we get there, when we get there, we will find you there waiting for us. You know and you have your hand upon, even now, certain men in this congregation. Even now. Just as earlier in our service, you placed your hand on people and called them to salvation. I know that right now you have your hand on people, calling them to service as an elder or a deacon, or or urging them to contact a specific person and recommend them. I know that you're doing this. I thank you for doing this. I thank you for your love, your concern, your wisdom, and your care. We pray this in Jesus' name for your glory only and for the health and effectiveness of our church. Amen.